Today we're going to continue in our series in, in 1 John on love and light. And we're going to be looking at one of the most foundational truths that it reveals there about God. Namely, that God is light. There are many words the Bible uses to... Um, uh, to, to, uh, sorry, there are not many words the Bible uses to describe God so succinctly as God is light. There's some other words that God is happy to be described as, and that is things like God is spirit, Jesus says in John 4, or God is love, as we will look at later on in this series, or God is a consuming fire, or that God is faithful. Uh, they're some of the words that God is, is happy to be described as. But today, we're going to be looking at the thing of God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to 1 John, chapter 5. Sorry, 1 John, chapter 1, verse 5, even. And we'll be reading up to the end, uh, end of um, verse 6 in chapter 2. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. So there's two points I want to bring to you this morning. And firstly, that is God is light. And secondly, that we are called to be walking in the light. So my first point I want to bring, that God is light. It says in verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. As I said, this is one of the most fundamental truths of the Bible, that John states very clearly in his letter that God is light. He is pure light, that, that, that is, there's no darkness in him at all. John Stott uh, helps us understand this by saying, 
intellectually, light is truth. And darkness is error. Morally, light is purity. And darkness is evil. God is completely true. He is completely pure. There is no falsehood in him at all. He is not even tempted by anything dark, by anything evil. Evil is completely inconsistent with God. And it would indeed be judged by him at some point in time. Just like when you're in a dark room and the light shines The darkness has no choice but to flee. So evil has to flee from God's presence. And evil cannot exist in God's presence any more than ice can exist next to the sun. More than this, the Bible tells us as well that in the new heaven and in the new earth, that there won't even be any sun there because God himself will be our light, physically speaking. I don't know what that's going to look like, don't know how that's going to work, but that's what the Bible says. Just like the sun at the moment is, is what sustains life on earth. It's a picture for us that actually God, who is our creator, is ultimately the sustainer of all life. Light speaks of security, and it also speaks of safety. Psalm 27 verse 1 says... The Lord is the light, and my, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? And of course, the answer being no one. We don't need to be afraid of anyone when the Almighty is on your side. Light also speaks of guidance and direction. Psalm 119, verses 105, tells us this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Isaiah 2 tells us, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So God is light means he is the ultimate source of truth. He is morally perfect and pure. He sustains all life. And it is in him that we find security and safety, guidance and direction. God is the ultimate expression of all these things. And he gives those things to the people that come to look to him. So when Jesus says in in John 8 verse 12 that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Jesus is making clear that he is all those things to this world too. It's one of those you know, famous I am statements in John's gospel where Jesus is, is hinting at his divinity, his, his, uh, that he's the son of, son of God. And uh, it's not just because he says I am, it's also the fact that he claims to be the light of the world. I don't know if you've ever wondered... Uh, at Christmas time, in the come all ye faithful, there is that you know, sort of line. You think, what does that mean? Where it sings, God of God and light of light. It's referring to that truth there. That it's, it's put into words what is in the Nicene Creed about Jesus. That he is the son of God who came to perfectly reveal God to us. So he's God of God and he is the light 
of the world. Come from heaven. Light come down from heaven to shine God's light into this world. Light of light. So as John goes on to say, well, John says at the beginning of his gospel, he says, in him, that Jesus this is, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. My friends, this is an amazing truth, that the light has come to shine in the darkness. You see, the Bible tells us that God himself dwells in unapproachable light, because he is so holy, he is so awesome, and yet, in love, and because of his great love, God, in the form of his Son, stepped down into darkness. Pure light stepped down into this world so that he could save this world. He, who was completely pure, stepped down into the world which is full of wickedness. As Ephesians 2 makes clear that actually we ourselves were dead in our trespasses and sins. Following the course of this world, following the prince and power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Doesn't sound too good, does it? And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And yet Jesus came and shone God's pure light into this world. You know, we can often think about the challenge of the cross, can't we? How difficult that would have been for Jesus, of course, which it, which it was. But can you imagine how difficult it would have been for the sinless, perfect Son of God to be surrounded by wicked people, to be surrounded by evil mankind, particularly as the Bible tells us that Jesus knew what was in all people. He didn't need people to comment on him because he knew what was in their hearts. I don't know if you yourself have had this, where you've been with some people, uh, you've put, you know, possibly you don't know them too well, and then all of a sudden they start going down a, a, a track in their conversation that leaves you feeling, oh, I don't really like this. This is this is not not where I'm at at all. This is you know this is wicked. This is this is not nice. I'm sure we've all been in that situation where that's happened to you, and you come away feeling a bit sort of compromised, and you sort of you know, you feel, should I have said something? Do I say something? It leaves you feeling quite disturbed on the inside. That's you and me who are sinful. Imagine what it must have been like for Jesus, the pure, sinless Son of God. Even with his disciples, they were bad enough, weren't they? You know, you see um, where he's going there to do the ultimate, going to the cross, to do the ultimate act of sacrificial love. And they come along with him. And on the way, they're there arguing about which one of them is going to be the greatest. Jesus, who is the greatest, came into this world, who will one day be the person who judges this world. Yet in love, he shines God's light so that people can see it and respond to it and be saved. It says in Ezekiel 18 this... Jesus, uh, God says this, Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way 
and live. Because God loves us, he sent Jesus into this world to shine God's light. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, he overcomes darkness and offers sinful mankind, like you and me, a way to get right with God and approach him who lives in unapproachable light. Not by ignoring our sins, but by dealing with them on the cross himself. God's righteous wrath against our wickedness is dealt with, and therefore the darkness in us dealt with, so that we can become light in the Lord. John Stott says this on, uh, on uh, uh, 1 John 2, verse 2. He says, It is the divine judgment on human rebellion that constitutes the barrier to fellowship with God. That's what stops us from knowing God. It's his judgments against it. And there can be no, he used the big word expiation, which just means there can be no dealing with our sin, no cleansing of uh, of our sin. There can be no expiation of man's sin without propitiation of God's wrath. Again, propitiation is a big, a big uh, word which means pacifying or appeasing of God's wrath, turning aside of God's wrath. And Christian propitiation is completely different from the pagan concept. It is the appeasement of the wrath of God by the love of God through the gift of God, which is Jesus Christ. That is how God, who is light, has made a way for us to approach him. It's through the blood of Jesus, as verse 7 tells us. He is the one that cleanses us from our sin. It is him who enables us to have fellowship with God. Remember I said last week, that word fellowship speaks of intimate committed relationship which you find or should find in a a marriage. God wants that committed, intimate relationship with you and he's made a way for it through Jesus Christ. William Barclay uh, says this, that a man's own character will necessarily be determined by the character of the God whom he worships. That who we worship will affect the sort of person that you and I come to be. You see, and God is light. And as we worship him, he shapes who you are, which brings me on to my last point. He shapes you to be somebody who is walking in the light. Jesus enables us to walk in the light. For the word walk, again, it's just uh, using a sort of imagery, a picture language to describe the direction, the general direction of travel that you are living in. Your uh, habitual, if you like, living. How you normally live. It's not just talking about odd, you know, an odd occasion you do this or do that. It's talking about this is the direction of life that you're going in. You're walking with God. You're walking in the light. And Ephesians 5, which I quoted earlier, which said that we are darkness, tells us this about walking in the light. It says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light 
is found in all that is good and right and true. It explains what, a bit more about what it means to walk in the light. It's found in all things that are good and right and true. And Jesus tells you that when not only are you in the light, but he says you are the light of the world. Those of you who have come to put your faith in him, you might be thinking to yourself, how on earth is that possible? How do you go from being not just in the darkness, but as the Bible describes darkness itself, to not only being in the light, but being light? Well, the truth is, when you put your faith in Jesus, who is the light of the world, you're not only in, you don't only enjoy living for him, but he comes and lives inside of you and lives inside of me so that you become the light. Or as John says later in, this, uh, in, in 1 John, he says that God himself abides in you. It's the spirit of God living in you who is transforming you from one degree of glory to another. It's his spirit who helps you to be transformed into the image of the Son of God. Like if you take a spice and you put it into a curry, that's, that spice works its flavor all the way through that meal. That meal can never be the same again. Likewise, the Holy Spirit in you is transforming you into a flavor that God likes. Or just like if you take a bit of yeast and you put it into a dough, that, that, that yeast works its way in, into the dough and turns that dough, causes it to rise into bread. Likewise, the Holy Spirit wants to change you and cause you to become all that God wants you to become. And whilst it is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, for all of us who are truly born again, actually it's a natural process of being born again to become like Jesus. Jesus himself says, you will recognize them by their fruits. He elsewhere says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Or as it says in this passage, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. See, if we love Jesus, we will keep his commands, and God's love will be perfected in us. You know, if you have a, if there's a, uh, you know, uh, have a young man, and he's, he's chasing after a young uh, lady, and he tells her he loves her, and they want, want to be together, and yet he's still also, you know, uh, flirting with other women and chasing other women, you would say his love is not genuine, wouldn't, wouldn't we? We'd say that's not genuine. Conversely, actually, if his love was genuine, the way he behaved towards other people, other women in particular, would naturally change to please the one he loved. He would be changed by love. How much more should you and I be changed by the greatest love that has ever been shown in history? The love of Jesus for you. And me. And on top of that, as we do put our faith in Jesus, that same power that raised him from the dead 
is now at work in your life and my life through the Holy Spirit, helping us to put to death the sinful nature and helping us to live for God. John Stott, again, his, his commentary was excellent on, on this passage. That's why you've got lots of Stott uh, quotes. He says this, True love for God is expressed not in sentimental language or mystical experience, but in moral obedience. The proof of love is loyalty. That's why the Apostle John can be so strong in this passage today. And he addresses people very directly. And he's address the Bible, God, through the, his word, is addressing us very directly today. Because it's inconsistent for a believer to say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness. We lie, John says, and we do not practice the truth. He's very clear on that. It's like saying, you know, those people say, oh, I, I really, really want to lose weight, and yet every day they're going for fast food. They're, they're not really being true. No one can say, I know him, but does not keep his commandment. John is very clear that that person is a liar, and the truth is not in him. There's no messing about here, my friends. John is being very clear. You can't play fast and loose with the Almighty because he's also the all-knowing God. He knows everything as, as well. Serious stuff. Jesus is very clear, isn't he? He says, no one can put his hand to the plow, and that, sorry, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Serious stuff, isn't it? And for some of us, we're here, uh, you might be there thinking, oh, does that mean that, that I'm in big trouble every time I fall into sin? Well, sin is serious, but no, it's not talking about that. Again, the key word here is those that walk. As I explained earlier, it's talking about your general direction in life, how you're choosing to live your life. You see, there's a big difference between walking along the seafront and accidentally falling in to going along the seafront you know, with your bathers on because you know you're planning to go in at some times. And there's even a big difference, isn't there, between you know, going right to the edge and you know, just taking it, being, you know, just trying to get right to the edge and being a bit silly about going to the edge of the water and falling in to actually planning to think, oh, I'll just take, take the, my, my swimsuit with me just in case I fancy a dip. That's the difference that John is addressing here. John is speaking very directly to us today as believers. And I tell you, go, going to Ethiopia and seeing these believers as I had, it, it, you know, and all they give for Christ, it brings it home to me even more. You see, we all as Christians, we all fall into sin. And when we do, we can confess our sins. And God is faithful to forgive us. But as Christians, there shouldn't be a deliberate choice of living a sinful lifestyle. If you are, you're not practicing the truth. And it would call into question whether actually you are truly born again or not. It's that serious, John says, 
The Holy Spirit inside of you should be convicting you and challenging you and causing you to want to confess any sin that you're living in and deal with it so that you walk in the light. Some of you here this morning need to deal with this today. You've been squashing the Spirit's conviction in your life. You've been saying, oh, no, I just want to continue in this way. And you know the Spirit is challenging you. God says enough. Confess it. Deal with it. Because he is faithful to forgive our sins and cleanse us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friends, the joy of being cleansed. You know, some of these uh, trips I do abroad, uh, you, you really love looking forward to a shower. When you've been on a hot bus ride and you're hot, you're, you're smelly, you're sweaty, you're dirty. You don't even like your own smell. You know you smell, so you know it's really, really bad. And the, and the joy that awaits you when you have that shower and you have a shower, and you're clean, and you come out, and you feel all tingly and clean. It's such a wonderful feeling after you've been so dirty. My friends, sin makes you feel dirty on the inside. Your sin, and for some people, other people's sins that have damaged your life, can leave you feeling dirty on the inside, a dirt that no shower, no physical shower, can remove. And even now, I believe the Holy Spirit, there's some people here that God is just highlighting this to you this morning. And it's not to make you feel rubbish about yourself. It's because he loves you. And Jesus wants to cleanse you. So you know the joy of being cleansed, being forgiven, made clean, white like snow, is what Jesus promises us. His Holy Spirit then helps us live him and put to death the sinful nature. Not that you're ever free from sin this side of eternity, as John tells us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, John is a very straight talker here about, uh, about living for Jesus. And as we live for him, it doesn't necessarily get easier. Uh, a guy called Jackman comments on this saying, Walking in the light is not always a comfortable experience. As we walk in it, we become more conscious of our sin, not less. Those people who claim to be able to be sinless, to be able to be perfect this side of eternity, are mistaken, John would say. Although he writes, I write these things that you may not sin, the point is you and I will sin and we will fall into it so that's why he goes on to the next verse to tell us that but if anyone does sin we have a, a way to be forgiven in fact the lord's prayer doesn't it which is meant to be prayed or it's meant to be prayed daily or at least you know the pattern of it copied and prayed daily because it says pray for our daily bread not our weekly bread or monthly bread it's daily bread it tells us to Forgive, we pray, forgive our sins as those people, as we forgive those who sin against us. In fact, in the, um, 
In the early church, there was a document known as the Didache, and the Didache was written by, or believed to be written by the, the 12 apostles, and it was for a guidance for how to live, uh, a church, you know, how, how church should function. And in there, they say that you should pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. Well, that's a lot of sinning that we need to, to, to confess don't worry, the Didache isn't in the canon of Scripture, so it's not God's Word, so you don't have to do it if you're there thinking, oh, God, pray it three times a day. But actually, it's just useful to know that was what was in the apostles' uh, thinking about uh, our, our needing for forgiveness, our need to, to uh, repent regularly for sin. I certainly know I do, and, uh, because the more you walk with God, the more you realize, God, I, I need to be changed. You know, a famous hymn writer called John Newton, who used to be a, a, a slave trader. He was a captain of a slave trip. And then when he came, became a, a Christian, he gave that all up. And he said this, I am not what I ought to be, but I am not what I once was. And it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. And that's true. For all of us who are in Christ. Jesus, who is the light of the world, brings us into the light and helps us walk in the light and has made a way to restore us when we fall to get back in to the light. Because of Jesus and because of his Spirit's work in us, we know that this verse is true for us where it says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, because God's Spirit will help us to do that. So, my friends, in, in conclusion today, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And because of Jesus, you and I can walk in the light as he is in the light. Amen? Amen. Can I invite the band to come back up here? As they're coming, let's just this slightly heavier message this morning. It's okay to have heavy messages once in a while, actually, because the truth is serious. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And we, as his adopted children, sons and daughters, should walk in the light as he is in the light. Let's just take a moment. Just, just humble yourself before God. And if the Holy Spirit has been challenging you of any areas in your life, it's not because he's a, a hard God. It's not because he's a, he's a killjoy. It's not because he, he delights in uh, making you feel bad. It's because he wants to bring you into the light. He wants the best for your life. And mine, and he's made a way for you to be forgiven. He's made a way for you to continue to walk in the light. So let's just before him now, if the Holy Spirit has highlighted areas in your life that are not quite right, let's just surrender them to God afresh. He is faithful to forgive and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just, yeah, just begin to surrender your life afresh. If you're not aware of any, anything <clears throat> specifically, just thank him for his forgiveness. Just thank him 
for his love for you. And make that conscious decision today that you're going to live for him. You're going to live in the light that he has for you. And if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. And as I've been speaking, you think, come on, I would want to know that joy of being cleansed. That joy of being made righteous, of feeling like on the inside I've had a shower. Then just pray this prayer along with me. God will just want to come and fill your life with his spirit. Just pray this in your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me enough not to leave me as I am, but to send your son to die on a cross for me. Please forgive me of all the things that I've done wrong. And through the power of your spirit, help me to live the rest of my life for you. Lord, cleanse me on the inside. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Lord, have your way amongst us this morning, I pray, all of us. Lord, I pray you would just come by your Spirit's power and just fill every heart in this room with your love and with your light, Lord God. Put a new desire in each of us to live all out for you, to put away all darkness, to, to, to be quick to confess when we fall into sin, but to live for you. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you that's what you want to do in our lives. And Lord, we say, have your way in each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing this closing.